0: Daily with Jason
1: Mertidis. All right, here it is. Your Monday, March 29th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, Flyers and Sabres tonight. First of two in Buffalo, where the Sabres have lost 10 straight games. 10 straight games on home ice. They've lost 17 straight games in a row. It is astounding how bad it's been in Buffalo. They fired their head coach, Ralph Krueger, a little earlier this season. That hasn't sparked anything. They just traded away Eric Stahl to the Montreal Canadiens for a third and fifth round pick and Buffalo is on dire times right now. Probably the best news for them is that uh, if there's any fans, it's very limited right now, so they don't have to hear the boos. In their last meeting, the Flyers uh, ended up coming back against Buffalo and got a 5-4 win. That was on March 9th, and then just before the month of March, they had that Saturday-Sunday back-to-back games in Buffalo where both Carter Hart and Brian Elliott got three nothing shutouts it was three nothing shutouts three games in a row as a matter of fact going back to games or game number four of this season for the Flyers James Van Riemsdyk still leading the way for the Flyers in points with 31 he's got 13 goals and 18 assists and Jake Voracek has two goals and seven assists over his last 10 games for the Flyers as well of course had a big game against the New York Rangers on Saturday afternoon a 2-1 win It was a hockey game that hasn't looked like a lot of Flyers hockey games this month, not just because of the win, but because of the total amount of goals that were scored. Only three goals in total, two for the Flyers, one for the Rangers. We're hoping that starts to turn the Flyers play around, not just the result, but their play around as well. And hopefully that leads to to better results because the month of March has been tough on the Flyers and they're still on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. So it, this time in the season, it's time for the Flyers to really start to change the dynamic of the month of March and move into the month of April facing Buffalo for two games. Then they'll have back uh, two days off without games for the first time in 33 days. One of the big elements of uh, success in keeping the puck out of your net, of course, is goaltending. And Brian Elliott, with a really good start for the Flyers on Saturday in that 2-1 win, you could see the relief on his face when that final horn sounded. And he'd only given up one goal, and the team got a 2-1 win on Sam Moran's first ever NHL goal. And both Flyer goaltenders have gone through the struggles this month of March, along with the team. It's A lot of it's a product of environment, and to speak on goaltenders' environment, what Carter Hart has been going through, we're turning to an expert. I decided to tap in from Ingold Magazine and NHL.com, Kevin Woodley. Now, Kevin's based in Vancouver, and he covers the position at an extremely high level, and he has... A lot of data that he looks at. He It's not just analytics, though. It's also the eye test. And he has known Carter Hart for many years, from back when he was playing his junior days with the Everett Silvertips. Uh, knows of the, the goaltender's strengths, weaknesses, heading into the NHL. Uh, saw him in his first two years uh, a lot. Has done some work with Carter Hart on his own website, ingoalmag.com. And uh, broken down plays uh, in a segment he calls Pro Reads. You'll hear him talk about that. So we'll talk about the what struggles Carter Hart is going through what looks different what is different and also about his environment and a very comprehensive interview that I think you're going to learn a lot from here's my conversation with Ingle Magazine's Kevin Woodley joining us right now on Flyers Daily uh, I tend to uh, uh, like uh, to talk about goaltending and this guy is one of the best if not no he is the best from Ingle Magazine IngleMag.com and the Ingle Radio podcast which I listen to weekly it's Kevin Woodley what are how you doing
0: I'm good. I'm blushing a little bit after that introduction, though. You, the good news is, is when when somebody pumps my tires like that, like I haven't played beer league in over a year now because of COVID. So, like I, nobody actually has seen how bad I really am. So, like at least I can talk, and nobody can actually say I've seen you play, buddy. You shouldn't be talking about goaltending. So that's that's the only positive of COVID so far. So for
1: for those that are wondering, you are north of the border, and they have not opened beer league. We've been playing here, but uh, unfortunately for you guys, you're not able to get back out yet.
0: No, no, it's been, it's, it's honestly, it's been a calendar year since I've been on the ice. It's absolutely killing me, especially running in goal. And we've got, you know, the 2021 gear lines are all coming out. We're getting samples. We do have, you know, some testers that are out with, uh, you know, junior clubs, uh, and minor hockey, they're practicing, but not allowed to play games right now. Uh, we did have some beer league right through October, but I opted out just because of some family exposure issues. So just sort of taking that extra safe precaution, but my God. I miss it, man. Boy, do I miss it. So I'm a little jealous you're getting out there. Hopefully we all are soon.
1: Well, you know, there's nothing better than uh, robbing someone of what they want, and that's a goal. Now, And the reason we're having you on is because I need your expertise um, in looking at uh, the Flyers' goaltending situation, the environment. You're a guy. You, you, this should be on your headstone when you pass away many, many years from now. Goaltending does not exist in a vacuum. <laughs> that is your. That is your – you've coined the phrase – and it's about environment. And, uh, you know, in the beginning of the season, the Flyers were getting outshot 35-23, to 23, and they were winning games. And I, I, I had failed to see the part in the standings that gave a team an extra point in the standings for shots four. But it's all about quality, not necessarily quantity. But let's talk about Carter Hart because the struggles this year, Kevin, are so real. Um, he, he looks like such a different goaltender uh, than he did in his first two seasons and the kid that came out a junior and we're just, everybody's trying to figure out what's going on with his game. So kind of a, a first blush, what's the first thing you notice that seems to be different about his game than years past where he was having success?
0: Well, you want, why don't we talk about environment first? Like, let's quantify cool. that a little bit. Um, you know, with the blessing of Stephen Valakad, who I know had some great quotes in Greg Wyshynski's article about this situation, about, you know, the struggles that Carter's having in his year. And, um, you know, Clearside Analytics, you know, Steve gives me a look under the hood so that we can quantify this and, and give a little bit of, you know, what, what just how does this environment, this shot quality, compare to the others? And right now, like Carter Hart's expected say percentage is 877. Uh, by, By the clear sight numbers. That is, you know, I'm looking, oh, the third, fourth lowest among starters in the National Hockey League. That's a pretty low number. That is a tough defensive environment. But the thing to me that's interesting is last year it was only 881. Like they weren't great defensively last year either. The difference was he outperformed that environment by about 1.6%, which put him in the sort of top 15 in the league in terms of performance relative to shot quality. This year, he's obviously underperforming it, you know, somewhat significantly, like bottom five in the NHL right now. So, um, you know, that we can look at, at, at what's changed, but in terms of the environment, it has gotten a little worse. Uh, When I look at performance-wise and break down the numbers of where he's struggling the most, it's definitely on what we would call slot line chances, uh, what Steve used to call Royal Road, we now call slot line. And basically, the slot line is you take the offensive zone, you divide it right down the middle from the goal line to the top of the circles, and any player pass that crosses that line... And then a shot comes off quickly. I, th- I think it's like three tenths of a second, like a true quick release one timer or a carry across, and then a shot um, counts as a slot line play. And they use frame rates on the video to measure just how long. So there's, it's not an arbitrary number. Um, and of course, as a goaltender, as you as you know, Jason. What does that mean? It means I have to, it's not just about moving distance. It's about I have to completely change my angle from one side to the other. So if you think of a face-off dot to a face-off dot, that may not seem like much. Cause I can, you know, if I'm in the middle, middle depth of my crease, that's a three foot push. But the amount of rotation I have to get into that push, like in terms of have my shoulders facing one way, it's almost like a full 90 degrees to the other side, maybe a little further. So um, those are the toughest plays. They're giving up a ton of them. Uh, 46 he's faced which is the fourth highest total in the league. His expected save percentage on those is 660, one of the lowest numbers in the league. So not only are they giving up the toughest plays, they're giving up the toughest versions of them, and he's seen the fourth most of them, and he is struggling mightily on them. That's where most of his negative goal differential occurs this year. So isolating the types of plays before you try and fix a problem you need to sort of understand where it comes from it's one thing to say we're giving up a ton of great chances ton of great a's however whatever high danger however you want to measure it but we can actually take a look at the types that are costing him the most and it's that and then it's broken plays and deflections those are the three worst and it's but it's 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 sort of slot line and slot area with a bullet those are the ones that are killing him the most
1: when you look at that, Kevin, and they give up a lot of those. Uh, they haven't been able to make an adjustment, obviously, year to year. That's not a Matt Niskanen alone issue with him retiring because they were there last year. But we've seen this with goaltenders in the National Hockey League, that their environment starts to dictate what the, how they move, how they position themselves. Because you can always say, hey, I have to have a short memory. I can't let the two goals I let in affect me for the next one. I use this example a couple of times. Early in the season, they played Boston. He got beat on, the, on backdoor plays three times in that game with poor backdoor coverage. And then in the third period, Brad Marchand had one. He's loaded on his left leg on his glove side. He beats him short side. That's, that's being a human being, right? You're leaning because you've gotten beat there a few times. The, the, I guess the real concern is is that this tears down the foundation, or maybe it has already tore a lot of his foundation.
0: Well, here's the thing. So just to go back to the environment, I believe, and I don't have data to back this up, but I can give you a hell of an anecdote. I believe that really bad defensive environments have a negative, like they're cumulative. Mm -hmm. Like you said, there's a cumulative effect there. I don't care how many times the coach says the defenseman takes the pass on the two-on-one. Super simplistic, overly simplistic concept, obviously, but one most people will understand as I hear as I say it. If the coach says the D-man takes away the pass on the two-on-one and you focus on the shooter and that's our rule and you do it every time, that's great. Except when that pass gets through the first nine times, It's pretty hard to trust that to still happen. So what do you do on the 10th one? You cheat. As soon as you cheat in this league, you are dead. And the Edmonton Oilers were the prime example of this before Dave Tippett took over as the head coach. How many goaltenders did they burn through? And people were always all over their goaltending. And yeah, guys will go somewhere else and have a lot of success. So um, you know, I think that they had a poor defensive environment and you saw it sort of beat down the goaltenders over time. And that's your fear here if you're the flyers is reestablishing once that trust starts to go, um, it can be really hard to hit reset and rebuild it. And it's a two way street. And actually flyers fans will, will recognize this anecdote as well. Steve Mason, because he arrived in Philadelphia, Jeff Reisman did a nice job of sort of simplifying his depth for him. And he had a lot of success right out of the gate in Philadelphia. But outside of that that one change he made with, with Jeff at the time, there were other elements of his game that were improving in Columbus. Like significantly, you could see him improving. But it didn't matter. The results weren't coming. And he told me later that they were never going to come in Columbus, no matter what, because that trust was broken. The defensemen didn't trust him, and so he couldn't trust them. And pretty soon, the D-men are trying to block shots they shouldn't because they don't trust him to stop them. He's trying to take away passing lanes or cheat on passes because he doesn't trust them to prevent them. And everybody is trying to do everybody else's job and nobody is doing your own. And the danger, if you're the Flyers, is that that snowball gets going downhill to the point where you can't stop it. I don't think we're there yet, but that is the sort of long-term danger in terms of, again, the cumulative effect of a poor defensive environment. Now, that is not... I'm not letting Carter off the hook either, right? Like you're still, like I said, last year he outperformed it. Um, you know, as bad as those numbers are in terms of expected save percentage, Marc-Andre Fleury has the same expected save percentage this year. He's outperformed it by almost 4%, whereas Carter's underperformed by 3 So, you know, um, there are some things in his game, though, that, as you said, seem to be changing behind that environment maybe because of it.
1: Yeah, it, it, you're right. See, I've I use the the analogy. It's like a quarterback with an offensive line that doesn't protect him. Eventually, you think you're getting rushed for the pass, or you're going to get sacked, even though there's no pressure. It's the phantom pressure because of the existence of what's happened previously. I use that that example a lot, and and you're right. I it's so funny. People probably think like you're me and I'm you because I say all the time do your job you try and do somebody else's job now I have two people not doing their job (laughs) and that's no good Uh, what the the NHL is such an unforgiving league for a struggling goaltender and I always say when a goalie is not on his game or makes a mistake there's nowhere to hide it's not a winger who just didn't pick up a back check it's not a winger or center who didn't get a puck deep or a a fumble turnover Uh, when uh, the goalie makes a mistake a red light goes on the fans get up and cheer. A goal horn goes off in normal times, and everybody knows. That there's no hiding. Uh, based on kind of where he has been so far this year, you know, when you look at, you know, the, the the technical aspects of his game, and I've talked about that a lot on this podcast, he is a very technical goalie. He's also got compete in them. Uh, but the technical elements, how, how do you get those back? And, and, like, kind of from a technical standpoint, what where are the biggest changes you see from what we saw this technical – kind of carry price like uh uh, efficiency to where he is now
0: yeah you know and 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 the one thing i can't say jason is where it comes from like you know is this is this an effect of confidence because it's been shattered do you start changing your game because there's no confidence there Um, do you start cheating and doing things differently because you don't trust what's going on in front of you like there are a lot of different reasons for it but at the end of the day like you said he has a foundation a technical foundation that in my mind I, 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 should, I guess I was ignorant to think it was going to be slump proof, um, but I thought having that foundation to go back to would keep him consistent and, and maybe lessen the ups and downs. And so, boom, obviously, that's why I'm talking about goaltending and not working professionally somewhere in regards <laughs> to it, because I was wrong. Um, but when I do watch him play right now, I'm not seeing those same technical elements that made him so special. They seem to have slipped. Um, and I don't know, you know, if he requires time away. Uh, I don't know if, if the American League, if they could be reinforced there away from the pressure. There isn't a lot of practice. This is such a strange year. I loved that Chuck Fletcher, I saw, read the article by Greg Wyshynski, that he did a really good job of sort of you know, painting that picture that especially for the young guys. And again, I'm not it's gonna sound like I'm you know goalie union card excuse making, but I've talked to enough young guys and like even players too. Like this is affecting the the weirdness of this is affecting everyone differently. So, you know, there may be elements behind the scenes that are that are contributing to this. So I don't know what the solution is, but in my mind, you your best chance of getting the old Carter Hart back is to have him play like the old Carter Hart and i don't see that right now and the specifics of it is like you can go to his setup and that means his stance and how he moves like to me he was a guy that beat not everything but beat a lot of plays on his skates arrive set arrive square like that was the that's what put him ahead the efficiency of that movement the way he sort of Got early rotation through that movement and always arrived in one piece. And and I actually think there is like there, I've seen the battle at other le- other levels, and sometimes it can be f- confused um, for not having enough battle because he doesn't go into the splits or because he doesn't need to. And maybe there is a balance that has to be found there. Maybe in the NHL, that balance point is different um, than it was to this level. But right now, I see. I see a setup that doesn't look like Carter Hart. He's hunched over at the waist. And I think what that does is it, it doesn't allow him to sort of skate down on pucks when he's trying to beat those plays. It, what it's going to do sort of biomechanically when you're that hunched over and then you get, say, a lateral play, like your only way to gain rotation and make a push, you either have to open up and come up or... You drop a knee to get that rotation because you you can't skate down because you're you're already down. Yeah. You can't sort of get that rotation from a top down. You have to the only way to get it is to drop a knee and push. And you know we saw that at the end of the night. Like that's a long lateral pass on that first goal against the Rangers, and he's sliding across. And, and like the Carter, I remember beats that set in square. Now sometimes there's factors. Maybe there's a middle drive I missed there that he you know he had felt he had to uh, sort of respect or be wary of, and maybe that's why he slid. But I just look there at wasn't. some of the, yeah, some of the <laughs> biomechanics. Yeah. I, maybe I am trying to. Some of the biomechanics don't look the same to me. Um, and you see that in the sliding, uh, the paddle down. I don't know if that's part of that as well. But you know, you, I heard you talk about that. And his rebound goals are way up. Like he's he's in the negative on the rebound. Actually, you look at the numbers for this year. Like slot line plays, I talked about one timers and rebounds, and all of those elements, you sort of tie to, you know. The, like one-timers are about beating plays to spots, right? So if yeah. you're late on that stuff, uh, if you're late on slot line plays, you're in trouble, you're behind. And the two-on-one the other night where he hardly moved, like the, like the way he tracked that across, uh, the lack of rotation, the way he sort of opened up and just never even got a push, like that's not the guy. That's not how I watched him play in junior. That's not how he moved coming up. And whether it's confidence or something else that's not the carter Hart that i thought was going to be kind of slump proof and and i know people will be like well why doesn't he look the same i'm like because like nothing about him looks the same his stance his setup everything looks slightly off and and I, i can't quite figure and maybe that's just what confidence does to you right you start to chase other ideas chase other solutions and i just that efficiency seems to be missing and and whether it's taking these metrics that I have and then clicking the play button and watching all the plays on it, like especially low slot line plays. Now, maybe some of that's post play. It's another area where he's really struggled when you split up that grouping, um, you know, but clear slides, clear sighted shots in the slot where he should be able to beat those and be set. Like there's just, there's movement. He's not beating plays. He's not like all those elements are not being set in square uh, defaulting to slides on plays. He used to beat on his skates. Like the, all those things to me, they just don't, it doesn't look the same as the foundation I thought he had established. It looks like that's drifted on him. And I think probably my, my guess would be, you need to get back to that. It's what got him here at such a young age and had that, these good seasons. And you know, I just I just don't know the answer as to how you do because no practice time for these guys. Like it's you know it's hard to hit reset. This is you couldn't have picked a tougher year. Yeah. To have to hit the reset button as a goaltender than this one.
1: The other thing too, Kevin, is when you when you look at his game, he often often looks very deep in his net, and that's a byproduct of confidence. And you know you, you look at you know you mentioned those clear sighted you know. Shots in the slot, the high danger area. Last year in the playoffs, he was very good with those particular shots. This year, he's fighting them, but he's he's taken he's deeper in his net. He's showing more twine, and one thing that he said before the season this year, when somebody asked him, and maybe me that asked him, said you know any changes? And he said, I, I'm, I've experimented in the off season with taking more ice. Now, taking more ice for just the people listening makes you bigger. You're out further on shots. And you're you're taking you're coming out of your net more. But on those east-west passes, then there's a further distance to travel <laughs> to get across. Like if you look at Henrik Lundqvist or Mike Smith, who plays with their butt on the goal line, it looked like a, just a quick pivot turn. But with Carter or a Marc-Andre Fleury, especially when he was taking a ton of ice, there was a long way to go. Uh, th- does, is it a situation where the Flyers giving up so many of those high-danger east-west passes, slot-line plays, and then taking more ice may not have been the right technique to go with, with this team that he plays for. Because a goalie fits a team like a team fits, you know, each other.
0: Well, and, and there's a mixture of two things there, right? one, That's a tactical adjustment, right? Yep. There's a difference between tactical and technical. But making that tactical adjustment can affect your technique. If you feel like... Um, being if you're not comfortable being out there you might adjust you might go into your save execution stance versus staying high and narrow longer you might get into save execution mode a little lower a little wider in your setup earlier because you feel like you have less time out there and what's that going to do that's going to delay your ability to move especially the especially right now when his save execution with a little bit of fingers up and that so hunched over at the waist. Like to me, that's not what I remember in terms of his save setup. It's gotten a, it's gotten a lot more hunched over. And that delays his movement even more. So all those things combined, like that's that's not a real good mix. And then of course, yeah, you're right. Like mentally, what's your default gonna be once you get start getting beat on these? It's gonna be to retreat. Yeah. Um and again, like I, I think if you don't fix it's so easy. Like I feel like actually I'm I feel like I'm I'm kind of spinning here a little bit because I'm watching from my couch and like, you know, like the guys there, Kim Dillabaugh um, well-established, well-respected, great NHL goalie coach. So he, it's not like I'm saying anything that he's not seeing, but, but from the distance, it's like, you got to find a way to get him back to that foundation. And, you know, whether it's the numbers or the anecdotes that you're sharing, like they all sort of point to him having lost a piece of that. Um, and, and, you know that Carter skates well enough, frankly. When he looks like Carter, to take more ice, I I can see that philosophy. Mm-hmm. Like the ability, like he should have the ability to take more ice because his efficiency allowed him to beat everything. Like if you're be, if you're sitting there waiting on plays after a lateral pass, you probably have the ability to take more ice. Like you you know what I mean. You can get there. It's the Sean Burke rule, right? We're talked we've talked a lot about how, what Sean Burke might do with Kerry Price. Like Sean's golden rule is if you can't beat a lateral, hey and actually this speaks really well to this, his rule with Smith, and everybody applied it differently because they didn't all play the same, but whether it's was Briz, Smith, Dubnyk, and Duby told me, you didn't have to play inside out like Henrik Lundqvist or Mike Smith. You didn't have to be on your goal line. You could be backwards flow guy like Carey, but you had to be able to beat plays on your skates. If you couldn't beat plays on your skates, it means you were taking too much ice. And so whether it's that or the mechanics that are pushing Carter to the ice and, and, and to his knees for slides on lateral plays rather than beating him on her skates, like there's sort of a rule that, you know, if that's a good fu- foundational fundamental rule of goaltending, it's not one he's able to live up to right now, whether it's technically or whether it's tactically that's preventing him from doing it, something has to give there to get him back to, especially when that's sort of who he was and what allowed him to have success. Like I talked about the slot line plays and the fact they've given up 46, 23 slot line goals. He's basically batting 500 on slot line plays. And for a kid who came into the league with a foundation of movement as efficient as his was, and then I look at the movement right now and it doesn't look anything like it, that's a problem. And whether it's technical or tactical, I think it has to start with the foundation, which to me is tech getting back to that technical and then you can adjust the tactical from there.
1: When you look at looked at him coming in and you know, we've talked about this on on the podcast about the book on him for a period of time this season and probably still is high glove. He's not he's a six foot two goalie, he's not you know a 6 five albatross out there. He's of the smaller size, but there's more smaller goalies coming back in. That was a trend to go with the, a guy that could dunk a basketball with barely jumping, but he, he and his efficiency. But what what was the the one thing that maybe you would have looked at when say when he gets to the NHL, this is going to be the area he's going to need to improve.
0: Um, that's a tough one. Uh, he had a, a real complete
1: game and great numbers, obviously <laughs> in junior, but.
0: Yeah, no, like maybe post-play, like, and and I don't even know if it's improved as, as so much as I've seen that shift already. Like some guys call it reverse tracking. Some guys call it the double seal. I know it's something he's added. Um, you know, there were times where I didn't think the exits off the post were as clean as they could be. Uh, now, listen, I'm pretty spoiled here. Uh, I've got Ian Clark as the goaltending coach in Vancouver. I've watched him completely rejig the way Jacob Markstrom played. Uh, on his and out of his post that Demko right now two guys who are having you know like Markstrom should have been a Vesna finalist last year by the statistics Demko's in that conversation right now behind a crappy team if you adjust the numbers he's that good um, and so I've, I've watched that level of post play and we talk about foundations the ability the pace with which they move around the crease and then in and out of the posts um, that would have been the one thing that I, I didn't quite see in his game, not just execution, but that pace, um, in terms of those movements. But again, that's, that's sort of an evolution thing. And that wasn't necessarily, oh, he doesn't do this well so much as this is changing quickly. And it might be something where he's going to have to change a little bit to keep up with it. But, you know, his, it certainly wouldn't have been his lateral movement. Um, you know, it certainly wouldn't have been, uh, it definitely wasn't his tracking, his ability to get there, get set, get square. I, I've seen the I've seen the high glove stuff. Um, you know, if anything, I th- I think that it's funny because it, it's real easy sometimes when you get there and the guy's a look and he beats it clean. It's like ah, oh, it's a bad goal. But I'd rather have the guy that gets there and it just misses by a quarter inch over his shoulder than the guy that's not there and is behind and sprawling and it just misses by three inches. And that's what he looks like more now than the other one before. Um, You know, to me, taking more ice would be an adjustment that allows you to look a little bigger if you're worried about getting sort of picked clean and and beaten clean on shots. Uh, Clearly, it looks like he's made an adjustment to his glove in terms of going a little more fingers up. He used to be more of a handshake guy coming up and, and, I mean, you can as I describe that you can envision what a glove looks like in a handshake position versus fingers up. They're just sort of pointed to the sky. And I don't think that would negatively affect any of those other mechanics we talk about. It can though, like changing your glove can position like uh, Henrik Lundqvist has that, that hand up glove position, like that was designed specifically by Benoit Waller and him to make sure shooters didn't think that space was there. Yeah, um, But the tendency can be to, as you go down to bring the glove down by default and then have to bring it back up. Um, rather than having it sort of a more natural relaxed position and just having it move straight into space it it can start to especially if you're going from one to the other you can tend to drop it as you drop and then have to play catch up it creates a double move with your glove as opposed to you know just moving in sort of single lane straight to the puck so I, I honestly I don't think I saw that as an issue coming in but you know I've heard those conversations I've seen some of the goals and no, I get that. I just I'm not sure I'm not sure changing the glove mechanics in his third year is the way to go or like you said just is is taking more ice enough. But dude, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're all searching There's for There's so answers. many factors, right? <laughs> yeah, and like the kid's a hell of a goalie. Like like you know what I mean? Like that's the that's the thing and that's why I keep saying go back to the foundation cuz it's what got you here. I don't know as bad as this slump appears to be behind this team and with the chances they're giving up like like sometimes sometimes you can chase change just because it's change as opposed to drilling down on the foundation that got you there and that would be the thing that I'd worried about and that's a good thing that they've got a great coach like like kim dillabaugh there and good people there to help them get through this because the last thing you want them doing is listening to idiots like me on the internet talking (laughs) about uh you know changing things because the reality is they're in it they know they know what's going on and i don't
1: but one of the things that you do on on ingolmag.com is you do a thing called pro reads and you get goalies on and break down situations you know a a sequence where a great save was made and and you've had Carter on and you've gotten to know Carter a little bit as well and he in his pro read segments are he's very critical of himself even when he makes a great save he's oh well you know my glove could have been a a little bit down lower on my pad to not have that little crease there I mean, it's like, you know, he wants it to be like a militaristic bed made perfectly with no wrinkles, right? The save. but um, And you know how he is. that That's, that's a, a perfection attitude that's driven him in his career um, and then to, to struggle. And, and another thing you guys get into a lot and I love reading about is the mental side of the game. And that's been one of the things that's been touted about him. Playing World Juniors in Canada is a lot of pressure, and he thrived under that. And now he's up against something maybe he's never been up against before in his life. Uh, you know, from a from a a mental standpoint, how do you overcome that part of it? I mean, he's an elite athlete and had this meteoric rise. Came into the NHL before anybody expected. You know, they're bringing goalies in overcooked, never underripened, and those kind of things. How does he handle this from a mental standpoint?
0: Oh man! Like if I had that answer again, PhD, um, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be yeah, and I'd be cashing some big checks if I could fix all those things. That's the thing, like he's so in tune with his body with his game um you know and that's so the first thing i would say is make sure you're not listening to any idiots like me like you got to tune out the noise but he seems so well equipped to do that right like we've had these articles we've talked in the past you've saw you've seen the pro reads like he is hard on himself but also understanding of like there'll be times where he'll do things like go into a spread And he'll look back at it and be like, you know, did I really need to be spreading and sprawling on that one? Maybe not. Um, I don't like my position here. I think I could have beaten this here. But it's not in a beat himself up way. Mm -hmm. It's in how do I get better? Here's how I analyze my game. And I always loved his honesty in those things, Um, as well as obviously a critical eye. Because if you're not looking for ways to improve, how do you get better? So I, I don't get the sense that he beats himself up. And yet, how could you not right now, right? Like he's, you know, so I, I won't pretend to know what the answers are for him. Um, you know, I know he's, you know, he's, he used to work with John Stevenson and we, and we did a lot of articles on there. They're not working together anymore. I think he said, it, I think it was in the bubble. If I remember, he said he's now working, you know, specifically with the Flyers, um, you know, ment- on the mental side of things. I think he has so many tools that he should, that he will be able to handle all this, But that's really easy to say until it happens, right? Like, I I don't know what his world's like right now. It can't be easy. Yeah, there's there's
1: a lot of isolation for these players.
0: Yeah, and he holds himself to such a high standard because he set such a high standard for himself. So, um, you know, I I won't pretend to know the answers on how he gets through this, but there are very few guys I've met, especially at that age, that seem, at least from past conversations, to be as well-equipped to handle it. Like, it shouldn't, you know, like... I was gonna say I almost said it shouldn't be a problem. Like, are you kidding me? You're the goalie for the Flyers and this is happening? Of course it's a problem. This is this is a brutally tough environment and the knives are out and it can't be easy. I just think he's probably well equipped to deal with it. He at least he has been traditionally, and as hard as it must seem, um, I gotta think he's got the tools to get through this. Um, you know, whether it's on the ice technically, tactically, he's got the support. He's got a good support network, um, both who, the people he works with in the off season and Dilly there and Philly. and he's he's always had the tools mentally. So it, you know, which is again another reason why I'm surprised this has happened like this. and at the end of the day maybe it really just is. like this is just an absolute snowball of a defensive environment. Um, You know, the other guys struggling behind it too. I mean, Brian had a good start, but, you know, his adjusted numbers are starting to come down to the same level. Uh, You can only survive playing behind a beer league level of defending for so long in the National Hockey League. Uh, And maybe all this hyper analysis that, you know, hey, this is the gig that we're trying to do here. Like, you know, at the end of the day, maybe this is just until that changes, some of these results won't. You keep it, trying, you keep finding ways to get better, but there's only so much you can do. It's just that he did so much more before we expect it.
1: Is this the cautionary tale of bringing a guy to the league early? Does this now make teams think twice? Because it, it, there was at, at first blush it was, hey, we can bring guys sooner and we can get – good goaltending out of guys that we don't have to pay a lot of money because they're on an ELC, right? And we can have a longer career with a goaltender if we get them there early and the league's gotten younger. The goalie position may be getting younger too. Is this now the cautionary tale?
0: I hope it doesn't become a cautionary tale because I think if there's a cautionary tale to be had here, it's that, you know, and I've said this before and I always throw out the caveat of this could cost me my goalie union card. Um but I had a very prominent goaltending coach once tell me, actually recently tell me that you give him true serum and ask him whether he would take, if he had the choice, an elite top three down the middle centers, an elite top four on D or a superstar number one goaltender as a goalie coach, which one are you taking? And he said, give me the elite top four in defense every single time. And I will build you a goalie that can play behind that. So the cautionary tale here might not be so much um, don't trust goalies at a young age as don't throw them to the wolves behind a defense that's going to be bottom three in the league. And um, I know it's going to become the other thing too. I mean, Shisterkin as a young goaltender, but again, more pro experience. Um, The Rangers aren't great defensively, Still better than still better than the Flyers, actually. His adjusted, say, percentage or is expected is a lot higher. But, you know, that was a tough spot for him, too, because that was the thing they always bought for Lundquist. They were always a tough environment, and they're a tough one there. Um, he's treading water, but he's not excelling like everyone expected. So, you know, I, I think if there's a cautionary tale, it's that, you know, goalies can only do so much. And, yes, they are expected to do more than Carter is right now, and he expects it. Like, he has high expectations of himself. Um, but that's the mix I would avoid as opposed to just the default, you know, don't bring up a kid.
1: Yeah. A- everybody's different too. I- I've always said – I bring up the example of the Islanders when Doug Waite was the head coach and then Barry Trotz came in. <laughs> it, the, the year Doug Weight was there, that it, you know, everybody thought, that we got goaltenders that can't stop a beach ball from the blue line, and then the next year they shave 100-plus goals off uh, year to year and you have your <laughs> your jetting winners. It's crazy. <laughs>
0: It's, you know, I mean, that I loved watching those Islanders teams because it was like watching an All-Star game every night, both ends of the rink. They scored yep. a ton. Nobody was playing defense. Like, it was fun, except if you were a goaltender. I actually had Thomas Grice on the ice that summer, and we were doing a drill. Uh, the goalie coach we were out there with was doing a drill that was sort of down the wall, and then it was a, a pr- progression from different spots, but then pop passes into the middle, and one tease from, like, the middle hash marks. And it was a young goalie coach, and it was his first time sort of – in this environment, he's actually coaching, coaching pro now, but, um, you know, talking to the goalies as it's going on and I, I asked them, I said, like, is this realistic? Like how many shots do you like from that area? Cause I'd read numbers about, you might see like one, every two games of that type of pass to that type of spot. And these guys are just, and these were shooters, J- Justin Schultz, Andrew Ladd were amongst our shooters that day. And they're drilling one tease from the middle of the hash marks, just like rocket fuel and <laughs> off lateral plays. And, and the one goalie's like, no, this isn't realistic. And the other goalie was Grice. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is just like playing for the Islanders. <laughs> <Undertuck> <laughs> so way too win. many of these. <laughs> yeah. Well, we started talking great days, And he's like, you know, like most teams talk about like 10, 12. They were 25 to 30 a night wow. by their own metrics, great days. And eventually, like I said, bad environments are cumulative. Again, not letting them off the hook. There's obviously lots going on, but I don't think you can ignore how much that is playing in this.
1: Well, one of the most fascinating things and aspects of the remainder of this season will be to to see how, a, the team fixes the slot, you know, the slot line pass issue, the adjustment there. If, if that is the case and, and how the goalies respond in turn, uh, both Brian Elliott and Carter Hart. Kevin, you know I love getting you on. Uh, we geek out over goalie stuff, but I thought it was a great time to get you on to really understand all, all the, the, the biophysical elements, the mental elements, and environmental elements uh, of goaltending. Thanks for doing this as always. Everybody go to ingoalmag.com, become a premium member like yours truly, and uh, check out the Pro Reads and, and all the great stuff there. Uh, I really appreciate you doing this, and we'll definitely talk soon.
0: Yeah, my my, I appreciate you having me on and letting me ramble. I wish I had better answers, and I wish I had an answer for this. Um, all I can say is, like, he's one of the most impressive young goaltenders I have ever met, and I mean that from a the foundation, the technical, to the way he thinks the game, to the mental approach, to the way he takes care of himself and prepares. So, have faith, Flyers fans. I I believe this kid will figure it out. Um, this is a tough time, but uh, I I really, you know. I really believe he's something special, and you're just going to have to live through this down. The ups will be much brighter because of it.
1: Thanks to Kevin Woodley for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. I hope that lends a lot of perspective um, to the goaltending position, and you know it's one of those ones that a lot of people don't understand the complexities, the intricacies of the position. It's kind of see puck, stop puck. If goalie sees it, he should stop it. And you know the environment does matter, and I I preach about it a lot. As you've heard me, Uh, not every shot is created equal, and it's not about shots. It's about high danger shots and the way those shots get to goaltenders and and what they can do about it. Uh, But Carter needs to get the the foundation of his game back in order, and that's something that hopefully we will see very soon. And goalies do go through this; they go through tough stretches this has been a very tough stretch for Carter Hart and like Kevin said he is not blameless here uh there's a lot of work to be done uh but Carter Hart is very strong mentally that's been one of the hallmarks of him as a prospect and as a pro and uh Kevin and I fully expect that he will along with the Flyers Elaine Vino and Kim Dillaball the goalie coach as well so uh Big thanks to Kevin for joining us and giving us uh, so much time and so much great information. I hope you enjoyed it. That's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. Flyers back in action tonight against the Sabres. Everybody, enjoy your hockey tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand-new Flyers Daily.